This is Marco Reus. This is Shinji Kagawa. This is Nuri Shahin. Hello, this is Jaden Sancho. And you're listening to the Yellow Wall podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 461 of the Yellow Warpods. I'm Joscha from Botsko and today we will talk about Borussia Dortmund's win in Champions League Group F ahead of teams like Newcastle, Milan and PSG. A loss in the Bundesliga against Leipzig and we will preview Saturday's match against FC Augsburg. For all that and more joins me Lars Perlmann. Hello Lars, how are you doing? Hello Stefan, I am doing fine. How are you? <laughs> yeah, I'm doing very well myself. Uh, I'm already in the Christmas spirit. Uh, are, are you yourself? Terribly so, Stefan. <laughs> so uh, we uh, were supposed to have a little uh, company Christmas party Zoom call thingy uh, at some point. And uh, because I'm in such a jolly mood, I uh, put on my wife's... <laughs> Dortmund Christmas sweater, which is probably like two sizes too small. <laughs> and I'm looking like the proverbial Presswurst. <laughs> but uh, it's it's still nice and cozy. And I thought uh, since uh, there is uh, something from a Dortmund perspective to celebrate, i.e. the, the group win of the Champions League, um, why, why not um, carry that spirit over? But um, yeah, anyhow... Uh, this is a podcast, no one can see me, so that is a very good thing. But last, what people did see is Dortmund's top group F, the proverbial group of death, um, which uh, was already a success when Dortmund uh, wrapped up uh, the round of 16, but now uh, with a one all draw against PSG last night, they indeed uh, made it so that they will top the group and uh, we, of course, can talk about the top uh, the pot two teams in a second but uh, I asked you the last time I'll ask you again first of all what does it mean for Dortmund to top this group question mark a bit, bit more money I suppose uh, quite a bit of prestige because obviously this being the only group consisting only of teams uh, out of the uh, supposed top five leagues in Europe uh, there was a lot of focus on this group as you said the moniker group of death being thrown around uh, at the time of uh, the draw. So for Dortmund, who definitely weren't anyone's favorite, I would say, especially outside of Germany, um, to, to top this group and at the end of the day, reasonably comfortably, um, given that PSG were quite happy to uh, play out the game as they did at the end when they learned of the result in uh, Newcastle. Yeah, it's a it's a solid achievement for Dortmund. I think it's the correct uh, order of teams at the end. I think uh, Dortmund, on the whole, outside of uh, the meeting with Paris in France, were probably the best side in the group from what I've seen. Uh, certainly the yeah. most clinical uh, in terms of uh, you know finishing their chances, especially at Newcastle um, and in Milan. I think PSG definitely were the best side Dortmund faced in the Champions League this season so far, so they deserve probably to go through. Uh, obviously, they 
had quite a bit of luck with that terrible penalty call uh, against Newcastle. Otherwise, they would have been uh, out of the competition, uh, unless Dortmund, having in that case already won the group, uh, might have thrown in the towel a bit uh, on Wednesday evening, played a bit more of a B team, as it were. So, you know, apples and pears, or what's the saying in English? Um, yeah, ultimately, a, a solid achievement for Dortmund. Definitely a lot of reasonably favorable draws uh, in in the in offering for the round of 16. But also, I would say that um, they would do well not to uh, dwell too much on their solid performances in the Champions League. Um, I think there's always a bit of a, a pitfall, especially for a side like Dortmund, who are struggling domestically to uh, hide behind their Champions League. Uh, prowess this season because uh, they won't play in the Champions League until the end of February so uh, until then a lot of Bundesliga games to be played and um, I don't think that on match day let's say 18 at the end of January anybody can really say uh, hey look we advance in the Champions League no absolutely I mean Things that are uttered from Dortmund are not aging well currently. Uh, famously, <laughs> Joachim, uh, Hans-Joachim Watzke said that the uh, General Assembly, I think it was, um, or what, uh, or the Members' Assembly or whatever, um, that, uh, you know, people herald RB Leipzig uh, so much, but uh, de facto uh, they are out of the cup while we're still in the cup and uh, we are also ahead of them in the table. Fast forward a couple of weeks and Dortmund no longer are any of those things. Um, so, yeah, I think you are correct uh, with Dortmund not, uh, uh, should, should not put too much praise on themselves for this, uh, considering the general state of things. But that all being said, um, I still think this is a massive achievement and it personally makes me very happy to, to see Dortmund perform well in the Champions League because um, recent campaigns before... Uh, especially under Marco Rosa, I thought it was uh, really disappointing, and it's it's good to see um, Dortmund do well in the Champions League. Also, good to see um, they played with a much better spirit uh, yesterday against PSG. Probably also knowing that uh, you know they would fall on the somewhat soft cushion of already being qualified, even if you lose the group. But at least there was a bit more um, spirit going forward and a bit more attacking flair. Uh, then when you compare it to how Dortmund set up away from home in Paris, where it was the shit-and-shit football we saw against uh, Stuttgart and, and uh, Leverkusen, for example, which uh, was not very successful. So at least these are positives that we can take away from it. Um, but um, yeah, so obviously pot two, uh, three teams from Italy and uh, then three other teams. We have uh, Porto, we have PSV and we have Copenhagen. And uh, of course, Inter, Lazio and Napoli that are the uh, potential opponents in the round of 16. Lars, uh, any favorites you personally have or teams you bitterly want to avoid, obviously outside of Inter, which is logical since you are an Inter fan as well. I mean, even if I wasn't, I think Inter clearly the best side of those. I think you can make a reasonable argument that uh, given 
uh, league form this season, the best teams in Europe have been Leverkusen and Inter, uh, possibly with uh, Real Madrid thrown in there. So um, avoiding them for any group winner would be uh, important. Um, I don't necessarily want to face Napoli just because there's a lot of individual quality in the team, even though I don't necessarily rate uh, their uh, coaching retreat in Walter Mazzari. Um, all the other ones, honestly, I think Dortmund can reasonably be expected to do well against. Uh, Lazio playing a terrible season in Serie A this season. Uh, PSV, Peter Bosch, I mean, they are on an incredible run and form if, if memory serves. So we basically know how, how they are likely to set up. And I think that's, that there's presumably, I don't uh, want to sound like I watch PSV religiously, but I would presume that might be some tactical naivete that a side much more experienced in Europe like Dortmund should be able to uh, make something out of in, in a knockout uh, round. So I think they would be all right. And also, you know, uh, nice and close, uh, good stadium. I don't know about the fans necessarily, but uh, no travel stress as opposed to, for example, going to Porto. Uh, who ran Barcelona very close. If it was on goal difference, they'd actually won the group, but Barcelona won the head-to-head -head, uh, against Porto. Um, and obviously, I think Copenhagen is the uh, the worst of the uh, second-place teams in all the groups. They only had eight points um, alongside PSG, actually. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I mean, we Dortmund, Dortmund played uh, Copenhagen last season. Uh, Mixed results. <laughs> yeah, but ultimately enough to eliminate them, I suppose. And from what I gather uh, of Copenhagen's games against Bayern, I think that's a decent side as any side you will face uh, in a round of 16 in the Champions League, but nothing to be scared of necessarily. So I really think outside of uh, Inter and maybe Napoli, those are all teams Dortmund can reasonably be expected to, to beat in a uh, round of 16. Yeah, we'll know by Monday, because it's the date of the draw, uh, who we will face. Um, but yeah, uh, I think uh, to reiterate, because you just uh, sort of said it in the context of PSV being naive, um, if there's uh, one bit credit to Dortmund's Champions League campaign so far is that they've shown incredible maturity and uh, real uh, Champions League um, expertise, I would say, considering the experience in the squad, this is somewhat warranted i would say but nevertheless it's it's good to see because i will never forget um the uh the first year of returning to the champions league under jürgen klopp and uh how how terribly naive don were in 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 this group and uh yeah it felt a little bit unlucky i feel like maybe newcastle went through the same even though they didn't play hardly as well as don did in these games uh, despite Dortmund not uh uh, making it out of this group um but yeah still um it, it is good to see um just in general that uh Dortmund at least have the Champions League pedigree necessary to withstand such a uh, such a draw um which uh, of course is uh is, is good to know and hopefully it carries over into seasons to come should Dortmund qualify for the Champions League again but uh obviously we should point out this was the, the last uh, group match of that uh Champions League contest as we know it because uh, 
there will be a new modus introduced next uh, year, which we can talk about uh, soon enough. But uh, the top two nations uh, in the UFR rankings will get a fifth Champions League spot and Borussia Dortmund are working very hard of uh, securing that one uh, in, in in both sides of the way you can in, interpret it because Lars, um, I don't know uh, if there are things you want to discuss about the PSG game itself um, but if not we can already move on to, to the Bundesliga because uh, Dortmund are in dire straits there I think people probably expect us to talk at least a little bit about Niklas Süle and the <laughs> the monster tackle or however it's called. Whereas uh, I'm going to be the grumpy old man and say that he doesn't deserve all the praise entirely because the chance only fell to Kylian Mbappe because Süle made a positioning mistake and uh, kind of underjumped the ball. So ultimately, if if he didn't make that save, the goal would go down to, in my opinion, at least uh, an individual error by Süle. So me being a grumpy old man uh, will say that it's better for him to have uh, rectified his mistake, obviously. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's, it is one of those spectacular ones that you will remember. For example, like the, the Subotic one in the Champions League final against Bayern, uh, the Bender save, uh, was it in the cup? against Bayern. Yes. Uh, De Ligt had won four Bayern last season, if memory serves. So uh, I think he did. I think these centre-backs or defensive pairs, uh, even though Zulu scores somewhat regularly, uh, this is kind of their uh, time to shine. And it's I think it's, it's kind of cool to see um, how much uh, recognition Zulu has gotten for that. Uh, because obviously he's not been playing too much this season. There are Rumors out there that he's quite unhappy with his playing time. Um, meetings with uh, his agent and uh, sporting director, Sebastian Kiel. Obviously, he's not going to be sold or anything, but still, he. I I wouldn't be surprised if he was unhappy because, uh, quite frankly, you don't come from Bayern to Dortmund and expect to sit on the bench most of the time. So uh, for him to have that moment in the spotlight is kind of kind of cool. Yeah, I thought uh, Zulu in general played relatively. Uh, well, yesterday, and uh, yeah, no one is uh, being going to be picked ahead of Mats Hummels in the current form he is in. So it's really between Zul and Schlotterbeck uh, for the other centre back slot. And um, I want to say Schlotterbeck hasn't been doing too well recently. So um, yeah, there may be some change on that position should uh, Zul be fully fit and ready to go. Um, be warranted. Um, but um, yeah, uh, if we if we talk about this game, um. No, I'm with John, of course, because uh, he picked up the suspension very late. Uh, I'm not entirely sure uh, for what it was, uh, but I assume that was sort of a professional book me, so I'm missing that game instead of the other game uh, thing. So, um, understandable, uh, with Özcan then uh, paired next to Julian Brandt uh, in, in, in central midfield. I personally, I don't know how you saw it last, but uh, I very much like this move now. Um, the only tweak we need is for Julian Brandt and also Oshan and uh, most of the other players to really uh, cut out some technical errors and some really poorly placed passes that uh, open up Dortmund counterattacks. Um, but uh, that being said, overall, I'm 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 liking this move by Tersic, um to to put uh, Julian Brandt in in that central position. And overall, I would say it. it it worked quite decently. 
Um, what what did you make of Dortmund's overall performance, um, given that uh, you know there are a few injury worries in that team currently? I mean, I, I think we need to take those into account. I don't know how much credit I want to give Terzic for uh, playing Brandt Brand in central midfield because, quite frankly, whom, whom else was he going to pick? I mean, Sa well, Sabitzer came right. back from an injury, wasn't available for uh, more than 45 minutes. Jan uh, was suspended, Metscher is injured. Uh, so, I mean, who else is going to play in central midfield other than Brandt, who's done that on occasion this season, done well on occasion this season? So, uh, I think they, they might have found a different solution if, uh, this had been an away game and Dortmund had to, uh, play for a draw, for example. Uh, obviously they kind of played for a draw on Wednesday, but they had a more attacking mindset, which was a welcome change after the last few games where, uh, the criticism, rightfully so, was on Dortmund's chicken shit attitude, as you put it. Yeah. Um, Ultimately, I, I I was pleasantly surprised about the lack of rotation. Obviously, one one can always make the the argument that um, qualifying is more important than position you qualify in. So maybe this would have been an opportunity. But then again, it's only 180 minutes of football left, so this might not have been necessarily the the point in time where you rotate too much. I don't. I don't know. I feel like qualifying first, especially knowing which teams are uh, in pot one and which teams will be in pot two, because you had the general gist of of things. Um, I I think it, it was pretty important to to top the group and not lose this game, because making the quarterfinal versus uh, ending your Champions League campaign in the round of sixteen, I think, makes a big financial difference. And of course, as you said, prestige. And just overall, you know, there there are not many other fun things left in the in this uh, season, cause uh, I'm I'd be very surprised if Dortmund uh, uh, somehow re-entered this title race in the Bundesliga. And obviously, the cup season is over, so the Champions League is pretty much uh, the only fun thing left, <laughs> uh, unless uh, you consider the race for the top four spots uh, uh, ginormous fun. Um, so from from that perspective, I think putting the focus a little bit on the Champions League um, is, is is probably the right approach. And ultimately, I don't know how much of that they did and how much it was just, you know, lack of uh, viable alternatives. I mean, uh, Sebastian Allaire was not going to start uh, out of the blue uh, ahead of Fulkrug. Mukoko is in a way of a, um, the, the winger situation. They've kind of uh, switched things around there. I think Bailo Gittens has warranted... Uh, Staying in the first eleven, and I presume he's going to stay in there for the next two games as well. Uh, but then, obviously, he had a very quiet game. So Maran came on, did reasonably well. Uh, Adiemi did well for the most part. I think he still had those flopping issues, which are kind of getting on my nerves. Uh, because right, you could actually tell after half an hour yesterday, the referee from Sweden, I think. He just had enough of Adeyemi being on the ground after every duel and he didn't get the call when he was fouled. A uh, bit of the same for Phil Krug, uh, who also spends an inordinate amount of time on the, on the ground for a fairly tall, bulky striker. 
he does yeah. get shout out to Glenn Nyberg or whatever his uh, name is because I thought he had a very good refereeing performance. I don't know if you agree, for but for the most uh, part, I think there was one looking at looking at Champions League standards. Um, yeah, there was definitely one big foul right at the edge of the box. Yeah. I don't know, was it on mine no, or Fulkrug. so? That's the one. Fulkrug, yeah, uh, that that certainly was missed, but. Uh, Knowing the Champions League standards um, that have been set by other referees, I thought it was a pretty decent refereeing performance. Yeah, I would agree. Um, also, obviously, uh, the offside goal that Mbappe scored, uh, that is so close to call. I think that's that's fair enough that the linesman doesn't see that right away. And I think yeah, no. we have uh, semi-automatic offsides in the Champions League and that also, I think it was reasonably quick could be quicker uh, the VAR call but then it was also f fairly uh, fairly close call to make so especially in Champions League with so much money on the line I actually appreciate this technology quite a lot and uh, taking a goal away from Kylian Mbappé who I still don't like after I know he was very young but the way he celebrated uh, uh, when he was still playing for Monaco it still, still does not sit well for me and I'm a little bit petty about it sue me um, so yeah, I'm. I was just personally glad for him that this one didn't count. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 football, man. It's just a sport. You can uh, you can be a fan and you can have uh, weird dislikes and don't uh, need to justify them. Full stop. But um, yeah. Um, I I I'm. It's funny looking at how Dortmund played in the Bundesliga recently. And how they played against PSG. On the one hand, you can say very encouraging, but uh, and and you wonder how Dortmund didn't score more goals. But you can also say the same thing for PSG. So um, you know how how finishing luck sometimes or first touch luck, <coughs> Marco Royce uh, sometimes uh, works. This could have been a, a I don't know three nil win for PSG or the other way around. So. I'm not entirely sure what to make of this performance, but uh, maybe with the with the result, uh, it, it does feel decent. Had it gone differently, maybe not. I don't know, but um, yeah, it should it should be good enough to to beat the remaining uh, three teams in the Bundesliga, even though it's different competition and you obviously play differently. All this yada yada, and uh, I also don't think if it's one all at the end. Uh, in Augsburg, that uh, neither Dortmund nor Augsburg would just uh, basically shake hands and agree on the truth. <laughs> uh, these things wouldn't happen in the Bundesliga. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think overall we can just be happy that uh, there's one ray of uh, light in a very uh, mediocre Bundesliga campaign so far, which uh, has going been going in entirely the different direction and uh, I don't know if you listened to last week's episode but Matthias very clearly said that for him the era of Intercity is over um, last especially after what I call chicken shit football um, I think for Matthias uh, the point has come where he has no longer no longer backs the coach I'm Similarly aligned, just because I don't see the long-term future with Tersic, just because of the, the, the sporting development under him, I'm not really feeling things are going great, and I also not have the the feeling that he's going to turn things around uh, 
to the standard where they need to be at. Um, last, but uh, since we discussed it last week, I'd be remiss to ask um, what your opinion is on on Terzic's job. You know, obviously he should keep it probably even until the rest of the season if there are no better alternatives. But uh, I feel like a cut needs to be made. I mean, whenever you're talking about coaching situations, the the question has to be asked: What is the alternative? Um, obviously, that changes whether you're looking at it during a season or in the summer. So, uh, would I sack him right now? Which I mean, we've talked uh, quite often that that's just not going to happen. Um, I think if he were to lose in air quotations, uh, his job it would probably be more of a uh, mutual understanding that it, it would be in the best interest of all parties involved for him to step down or move into a different role again or whatever. Um, but yeah, at the end of the season, I could certainly make the argument that uh, it's it's it would be the best for, for Dortmund because ultimately I don't think he's good enough of a coach for this team right now. I think He can be a good enough coach for another group or set of players um, who maybe need less uh, guidance tactically in their development as players uh, and more of a uh, an, a shoulder to cry on, a motivating figure, someone who will uh, fight for his team in the media and, and in front of the fans and all that. I think there's we, we uh, mustn't forget the many qualities that Hazish has shown. Uh, I think especially the second half of last season, obviously shows that he knows what he's doing to an extent. <laughs> Otherwise, you don't go on a run like that. That's not, not not just something that you know players do by themselves just because they get into a groove or whatever. There's certainly something to be said about the coaching job then. I think the positives about Tessic is that he has often managed to turn things around uh, that were not going great and, and managed to um, have the correct conclusions from periods that are not going great. Sometimes uh, he was sort of forced to do things due to injuries and things sorted themselves out on a personal front. Uh, but uh, I, I would give him the credit to say that um, he he has managed to um, yeah, learn and, and, and react quite well to, to periods that weren't going well. But that being said, um, the, the fact that we're playing this poorly currently after the way the the last season ended um i i, I think is is a massive step backwards that feels a bit like a fumble that feels very needlessly i don't know how, how you um see it but um yeah it's uh you know obviously there's uh, again the unlucky circumstance that sebastian area is not in, in peak condition i think um we saw last season what difference it makes if he is playing because it affects Adeyemi, Malen, etc. in a very positive light uh, to have Sebastian Alea playing. So that would already be the the, the number one issue I, I would sort of flag. But um, yeah, uh, ap apart from that, um, just tactically, I'm I'm not feeling the, uh, the, the, the correct position of play, the correct spacing, or all, all these uh, little uh, things that, that determine wins and losses quite often. Um, I'm not seeing what I need to see from the Dortmund team in a much bigger picture than just personnel-wise. So from from that standpoint, I'm I'm having my doubts about his his long-term future, and which is why I would hope 
hope that Dortmund can find a better coach um, going forward. But um, yeah, uh, let's talk a little bit about the, the last match day because Dortmund wanted to show a reaction, as it were, after um, Leverkusen and uh, Stuttgart games did not go well uh, for many reasons, uh, mostly because the way Dortmund played uh, was just entirely cow cowardly and unacceptable. Now, against Leipzig, I don't know if it's uh, get-out-of-jail-free card for Tessic or Dortmund um, that Hummels did get sent off, but at least the first 10 minutes were promising until Ashan played a catastrophic pass and Dortmund got counter-attacked. Uh, and, you know, maybe a little bit unlucky that Thomas Meunier uh, deflected the ball the way he did deflect it. Um, but nevertheless, uh, Hummels uh, then, uh, yeah, conceding the red card felt very needlessly because you obviously want to give the um, striker the chance, Openda in this uh, part, to, uh, you know, still stumble the chance away and maybe Kobel can save it too as he's done in a, in a different situation in that game. Um, but last, obviously, that red card um, felt like it did decide the, the game quite early, even though... After the 90 minutes, you can say that Dortmund definitely had chances to come away with at least a point. So, um, yeah, what did you make of this this Leipzig game in 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 general? Just talk me through it a little. Uh, I think it's it's <laughs> hard to argue the, uh, the red card being the decisive turning point because until then, uh, Dortmund were better uh, or well in uh, started well into the game. Uh, I think they kind of showed us that they wanted uh, you know to uh, show a reaction to as you said the piss poor performances against Leverkusen especially Stuttgart uh, because that was a knockout game and for uh, you to uh, advance in a knockout round you kind of have to win that game and there was no indication that Dortmund had any plan as to how to manage that and I think uh, the same criticism can be leveled at them after the start against Leipzig and then Uh, Mats Hummels, as he sometimes does, uh, makes an error in judgment. Uh, I think, as you said, uh, just let Openda uh, make a mistake or let Kobel save the one-on-one, -on -one, which he does quite regularly, or let him save the penalty, uh, as in, you know, make sure the foul is in the box. Uh, because Kobel has just saved two penalties in the last few games, so he's in a good run of form there. It's crazy, right? Another element that I'm not used to as a Dortmund fan, <laughs> and and um, obviously, one, I, I mean, quite frankly, the 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 fact that Hummels has been suspended for only one game basically confirms uh, that a lot of people inside the German FA are not in agreement that that situation should have been uh, corrected, as it were, by VAR because I still haven't seen anything to suggest that that definitely was outside and hence not uh, you know a penalty in a yellow but a free kick in a red card um, it's also quite interesting that the same player can make the same sort of foul uh, in two games this season and it be judged differently because Hummels also had a foul against Hoffenheim which started outside the box finished inside the box uh, and then they said the second co second contact is relevant and now Hummels had a foul against Openda where he touched him more than once uh, Apparently, once uh, inside the box, and and but this time they say the first contact is relevant. So, um, as I said, given that he's only been suspended for one game, that 
kind of says it all. Uh, probably shouldn't have gone to VAR. Dortmund should have finished the game or at least uh, continued the game with 11, obviously. You can't just assume that everything else would have stayed the same. So um, I think a lot of people have pondered the question, would you rather uh, be a goal down or a man down? And I think that early in the game, the answer is quite obviously be a goal down. Uh, yeah. Especially when it's Hummels, your uh, best central defender. Uh, Dortmund obviously had to make a change then. I think it was Bino Gittens coming off for Süle which I didn't necessarily agree with because uh, when you're a man down, you obviously have to play on the counter and then uh, Bino Gittens was the only uh, really quick player on the pitch for them because they started neither Mal nor Adeyemi, if memory serves. So... Uh, well, who would you have taken out? Uh, Royce. The options were Royce, okay. <laughs> Maybe even Fulkrug because uh, you're not... I mean, obviously you're... Uh, you uh, want to score goals and whatever and, and Fulko is good in hold-up and, and all that stuff, but I mean, they're not peppering him with crosses as it, as it is from uh, possession and obviously a man down against Leipzig, they weren't going to dominate on the ball or anything, so I think you could have made the argument that, that Fulko was somewhat some surplus to requirements in that game, but at the end of the day, they, they took off by no Gittens and I mean, to Dortmund's credit, as you said, they had enough chances at the end of the game to make it 3-all, which would have been a, a great boost for morale and, and also uh, taking two points away from Leipzig, who, by the way, I thought were quite poor. Uh, yeah. All things considered, I mean, uh, they had so many potential counter-attacking situations that they squandered. I think they were sloppy in possession, uh, allowed more chances against 10 Dortmund players than many other sides have done against 11 in the last few weeks so i think at the end of the day it's uh, it's almost a uh, lost opportunity for Dortmund as weird as that sounds when you're a man down after i don't know 15 minutes or so uh just because leipzig were quite poor and Dortmund had you know those couple of chances where if things go a bit differently and if if probably you're uh, in a better frame of mind after the last few games uh that would have gone in i think if if the this the same exact stuff would have happened in the Champions League this season, Dortmund would probably have found an equalizer. Just because that's how football or sports in general sometimes work. Uh, you know whether we call that momentum or whatever. I think uh, Dortmund just don't have that special something in the Bundesliga right now, and that's why they lose such a game, which even down down a man after uh, a quarter of an hour or whatever wasn't you know necessarily a loss just because of how poorly Leipzig did uh, with their numerical advantage. Yeah, I mean, I think the most positive part really is like the last 10 minutes or so of the game just, uh, you know, uh, when, when of course, uh, eventually Fukuk scored, but uh, just, I think overall the um, the spirit from Dortmund uh, shown to really go for it and, and uh, there were some positive substitutions by Tessic to bring on Reina, Mal, Adeyemi, not say, uh, try to, I, I don't know, sit on the uh, two all draw after after halftime or so. Um, obvi obviously not not in that chronological order, but uh, you know what I'm saying is that overall Dortmund uh, try to go for it, not in any damn limitations or so, um, and and then really pressure Leipzig and and uh, put them on their on their heels. It was good to see, uh, something we don't see often enough this season. 
and uh, to sort of then uh, combine the might of the Westfalen Stadion with um, a team showing the the absolute urge and, and will to win and and uh, nearly pull off the draw, um, I I think uh, was was pretty great. Obviously, very disappointing that Yusuf Paulson scored in the 91st minute uh, the way he did, and Nico Schlotterbeck I think needs to do much better there. Um, than to be fooled by one shimmy that I think is also disgusting and unacceptable uh, for a player that I expect him to be. So um, he needs to be, do much better there. And also, um, I think, tweeted um, that uh, this was a fun game. Dortmund nearly got a point despite them uh, punching themselves in the dick over and over again. Because it's basically what they did. I mean, Benzabaini scoring an own goal. How fucking dumb is that? So a lot of things that, that really do irk me about this game. And I think the overall takeaway is that Dortmund are lucky that Leipzig are shit uh, because they uh, do not look like a well-coached team. And I think reinforces the, at least my impression that Marco Rose uh, probably is not the, the, the world-beater coach. And I'm at least in that department glad that uh, we're past him uh, because Leipzig, I think, with the players they have, should be doing a much better job um, than they are currently doing and so that they basically needed this game to squeak by Dortmund in the table to be in fourth place is also an indictment on them. Um, and that gives me hope for the future that Dortmund can reel them back in and uh, overtake them going forward because, let's face it, they, are, um, they should be better but currently aren't. Maybe uh, they will solve their problems somehow too, but uh, I don't know. I'm currently not seeing it. Um, long story short, is uh, it's a very vexing result. Um, Dortmund arguably should have won this game minus the Mats Hummels decision, but to just put the blame at Mats Hummels' feet is a little bit too easy because Dortmund had uh, several other occasions where they tripped up uh, over themselves, that is, and uh, yeah, very vexing. Uh, one last point, I thought that Thomas Meunier, uh, his first start in the year, if I recall correctly, had a relatively decent game. And uh, I personally am okay with him playing out uh, the end of the year um, because I, I mean, we've harped on him a lot, but I still think he's an okay to decent right back, uh, even though he has been scapegoated quite a lot. Um, I, I think he can still help Dortmund in in many ways. So um, I'm hoping that he can find some form quickly, uh, considering the relatively cold start um, due to the Rierson injury now, um, which of course is a shame that he'll be out for, I think, eight weeks it was, the ETA uh, with Dortmund players. You just never know what that will turn into. Um so yeah, that that's sort of my my last thought on on that. Uh, I just hope that Dortmund can turn things around in the Bundesliga because they now absolutely have to. Last next up is Augsburg on Saturday afternoon. Um, what are we to expect uh, from this game? Is there going to be a Champions League hangover because Dortmund did uh, exude a lot of energy in that game and of course uh, picked up a few uh, injuries here and there as well. I mean, they've left themselves such little margin for error that I would be surprised if they allowed themselves to have a hangover after the Champions League. But then again, um, Dortmund are known to throw in a negative surprise here and there. So I guess it wouldn't be absolutely shocking if they laid an egg. Yeah, I was going to say, well, at least it wouldn't be a surprise. Yeah. 
Uh, I honestly don't recall seeing much of Augsburg this season outside of maybe a couple of simulcasts here and there, but they've had a great run of results uh, after uh, switching head coaches from Enrico Maaßen uh, to Jes Torup, um, who coached Copenhagen in the first game against Dortmund last season, if memory serves. Yes. Uh, and then was exonerated there as well. Um They, they, I think they had three wins, three draws from his first six games. And then last weekend they, uh, lost at Bremen, which I mean, Bremen, not a great side this season, a bit better at home, but nothing outrageous. So, uh, that, that kind of would suggest to me that, uh, it's still Augsburg. And whenever Dortmund face Augsburg, you expect them to win. Uh, that is correct. More often than not, that has worked over the last few uh, games. We talked uh, before we hit the record button about the 3-0 win at Augsburg late last season when all was well and they uh, overtook Bayern uh, in the Bundesliga table. I don't actually know what happened after that, Stefan. Um, no idea. Nothing. Suddenly the new season started and some of the players were gone. Uh, whatever. Um, so, I mean... Honestly, I, I don't know how much time we need to spend on previewing a game against Augsburg because ultimately it's only going to be about what, what Dortmund do and if they get it up, as it were, uh, for such a game, they should not have too many issues, uh, even though obviously we know from uh, experience that Dortmund sometimes have problems with these uh, smaller, as it were, sites. Well, Tobias Escher recently uh, tweeted uh, when Dortmund were playing the likes of Leverkusen and Stuttgart that uh, uh, if you have this low block uh, type of style and you're uh, basically trying to just de to defend against good teams that uh, he shouldn't be surprised that when you face poorer opposition that you are lacking um, the wherewithal to, to break down low blocks yourself. Um, I feel like uh, this game especially uh, could be such a game where Dortmund then struggle. Um, obviously, um, I really would hope that Dortmund, uh, for once, cannot concede a set-piece goal. That would personally make me happy a lot. And, um, yeah, what I, what I would like to see is obviously dominance for 90 minutes and, and uh, really um, showing what they show in the Champions League sometimes, just the maturity to control the pace of the game, that you don't have to... Pay, uh, play full throttle basically for 90 minutes because that's unrealistic uh, considering the, the schedule and the time of the year um, but at least um, to maybe score an early goal here and there and then uh, con control the game this is sort of what I'm looking for I don't need um, Dortmund currently um, to uh, play exuberant dazzling football because it's it's unrealistic to expect that but at, at least to, to control the match to not make silly errors and uh Uh, not give away the ball completely uh, unnecessarily with uh, poor technical mistakes and all this, which of course might also be a sign of fatigue. I'm not entirely sure why William Brandt's form, individual form, has dropped uh, off so much recently. Um, but uh, yeah, there, that, that, those are certainly my thoughts when it comes to the to the midfield. I would like to see a similar starting eleven as we've seen against uh, PSG, where I assume that uh, Thomas Meunier will then again replace uh, Marius Wolf on the right side because uh, Meunier was inel ineligible to play in the Champions League. 
So there's that. I don't have any further thoughts on the Augsburg game. Lars, if you have any last closing words for this show, be my guest. Uh, only to remind you, because you didn't mention him there, that Hummels is suspended for this game. Yes, that is correct. So uh, the back four kind of selects itself outside of the uh, wolf Meunier conundrum, which I have zero thoughts on. Well, I mean, I don't know uh, what the state of uh, Ben Sabaini is because he also got a knock, so it might be Munier on the right and Wolf on the left. Oh, uh, Uh, so yeah with these warm words I hope everyone out there has a great weekend Lars uh, thank you very much for coming on and we'll talk to you next time until then goodbye